0: Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing this morning? Good. Any Jags fans out there? Any room for the Jags? Not a lot of Jags. That makes sense, but that was a crazy game last night. How about Bills fans? Any room for the Bills? Wow, a lot more people, yeah. And then the Giants play after that too. So it's a big day for New York football. I hope you're excited. Uh, I know I am. If you are new with us, welcome. Uh, we are very glad that you could be joining us. We hope that anytime that you are with us here at Crossroads that you feel nothing but welcomed or loved. And that that even goes outside of these four walls. Whenever you interact with someone um, from a spot, we just hope that you feel uh, very uh, loved by people. But it is our uh, third week in our new series entitled A New Way, right? We are, we are studying. We are are looking at and we are trying to learn from, this new way of life that Jesus Christ brought down into this earth and both exemplified himself as well as taught to others. And so in order to do so, we've been studying the book of Matthew, and thus far, we have made it through three chapters. But what's interesting is that through the first three chapters, Jesus hasn't really been our guide through the story yet. And today, I'll tell you this, that's all going to change. So the title of my message today is follow me follow me now would anyone say that they've ever followed a good leader before anyone followed a good leader no no one has that's a bummer um, i can hurt by that but that's okay um make, they were talking about me and so it's isn't it true though isn't it true that you could be following the best leader in the whole world and they still might lead you into an uncomfortable situation anyone ever had that happen before of course it is, right? Uh, because a lot of times, uncomfortable situations, when we step out of our comfort zone, right, and, and we get a little uncomfortable, it's a good thing. It's how we grow as people. If you're always comfortable, right, when you're working out, uh, what's happening? Really nothing, right? Because it's your muscles uh, only grow when there's that tension or that's, there's that discomfort that creates the tears where a new muscle can grow in, right? And so now, now what about when it comes to God? Does, does God ever lead you into uncomfortable situations to make you better, stronger, and more dependent on him? He does, right? Of course he does. I mean, this is all we see happening across the pages of scripture. It's God leading his followers into uncomfortable situations, right? And, and, and he does it all the time. But he, then he does amazing things through those people uh, that they would have otherwise never expected nor thought possible on their own apart from his leading, right? And maybe you felt those leadings yourself, those nudgings, those promptings, those guidings from the Holy Spirit. If you followed them, you know they are not always easy, right? They can lead you into some uncomfortable situations, but they are always worth it. And so uh, I'll just be honest with you. This has been my experience my entire life, and I know a lot of you would probably say the same thing, right? But I will tell you one time, when I would say I've probably been the most uncomfortable that I've ever been, okay? So I have to get honest, right? I'm going to be just really vulnerable for for a second. And... Uh Somebody knows about me, but it's important to the story. I'm bad at singing. I'm bad at singing, I'm not afraid to admit it. I'm not gonna give you an example because no one wants it, okay? It's just, it's terrible, it's horrible, okay? So I'm bad at singing, right? And so another thing about me is I can be somewhat of an insecure human being, okay? My whole life I've been a little insecure. I'm a middle child, so you understand. And so uh, a lot of times, right, I look for the approval of other people. Now this was at an all-time high when I was like a freshman and sophomore in high school. And that's just true for like everyone, right? And so I was trying to fit in, I was trying to be cool. I was trying to be popular. And so a way in which I would try and do that a lot was by like, making fun of other people for the entertainment of others. Okay, so this was not a good thing. Luckily, Jesus really came into my life and really impacted me after my freshman year of high school. And so even throughout sophomore year, I was still trying to grow and become more like Jesus, right? But by junior year, I had really figured out that there were a lot of people that felt a certain type of way about Cooper Young, and it was not a good thing, okay? Because at this point, I was like, I'm just trying to live my life following Jesus and trying to love others like he did. And there were a lot of people who really, they didn't even want to talk to me, right? And so this wasn't a good thing. Uh, by the time I was a senior, uh, I, you know, I had applied to Syracuse. Uh, I, I kind of, I had played sports all throughout high school. I had gotten my homework, turned in on time, and I did Young Life, okay? So I was pretty busy, but that also kind of limited the people who I was around a lot. And so uh, when I was a senior, I was like, you know what? I want to leave this high school uh, better than when I came here. I really want to leave a positive legacy uh, in my time here. And so I decided, and this is like just advice for everyone. You don't wanna be the person who's like cool and you don't always wanna like try and be funny and try and make other people like you. You wanna be remembered for being the person who tried to be nice to everyone. And so I really started trying to be nice to everyone, but that meant that I had to put myself in some uncomfortable situations, okay? Because there was actually a specific group of people who really just both thought that Cooper Young didn't like them and didn't really like Cooper Young, okay? And it was, and from like sophomore year on, I had nothing Nothing to do with anything like musical, like instruments or singing. I'd done it in middle school, but after that, I hadn't, right? And so there was like the, the theater kids, the musical kids really didn't like myself. And so I felt like God was leading me to audition for the spring musical. Now, and he was good. no, don't say that. <laughs> no, no. Do you know what auditioning for the spring musical entails? It means you have to get up in front of a room of people, okay, and you have to sing. I don't like singing. I'm not good at singing. No one wanted this to happen, right? And every person in that room is really good at singing, and they know when someone isn't good at singing. I knew I wasn't good at singing. I didn't want to be there. Now, I will say, this is one of the moments in my life when I really feel like my brain was like somehow protecting me, because I just blacked out. I mean, absolutely, walking up to those risers on that Faithful night, at High School, I just, I don't know what happened. I don't know if I sang the right words. I don't know what went on, but I just was not there. I was not present, Uh, but I did. I auditioned for Tarzan, the Broadway musical. I sang Strangers Like Me, and uh, everyone's eyes were wide open. Everyone's jaws were on their floor, and it was to everyone's dismay. No one was impressed. It was a bad thing, okay? It was not good. It was not good, but I will say to, for me, like I look back on that moment with somewhat of a sense of like satisfaction and like, a sense of like uh, even appreciating it because I knew that I felt like God was leading me to do something to build his kingdom where I was, to really try and love others. I knew that. God knew that. And I would say probably because of that, I did get cast in the musical, and I was a lead, actually. I was the villain, Clayton. The only non-singing role in the whole show. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? I'm not lying to you. It's not a good thing. Now, uh, if you have a Bible with you, you can open up. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 4 today. We're going to read verses 1 through 11 together. Uh, and so we're just going to hop right into it. Okay, so here's what it says. If you've got a phone, that works too. If not, we'll have it up here on the screen. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. So, if you weren't here last week, uh, last week we talked about how Jesus had just been what? Right, he, he had just been sent out and launched into his public vocational ministry. He gets baptized by John the baptizer, and he comes up out of the water, and heaven is opened, and the Holy Spirit is descending on him like a dove, and God is audibly calling down to his son, telling him how much he loves him and how much he is pleased with him. This is like one of the most holy and powerful moments in Scripture. And then what? We go from God the Father talking right to Jesus to Satan himself talking to Jesus. That is an uno reverse card, okay? And now, the one chuckle is fine with me. Now, here's the thing. (laughs) But how did we get there, right? How did we get there? How do you go from being baptized in the Jordan River by the most famous Baptist of all time to the wilderness getting personally tempted by the devil? Well, verse 1 tells us. It says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Notice how it doesn't say that the spirit was the one tempting Jesus. God cannot and will not tempt you. It is outside of his character. But God will lead you into uncomfortable situations to help you grow and to help you become more like Jesus, right? But we also know that God will never allow you to be tempted more than you can handle. And he will actually give you a way out of those tempting situations. It's just up to you whether or not you're going to take it Or not? And then verse 2 tells us this. It says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, right? He was hungry. So it is to be understood that Jesus, he hadn't eaten any food for 40 days, right? We kind of get that. But it is also possible that Jesus had also not drank water for 40 days too. We see this in the Old Testament with Moses and Elijah. It's what's known as an absolute or a supernatural fast. But nonetheless, Jesus hasn't eaten, so what is he? He is hungry, right? Anyone, anyone enjoyable when they're when, when they're hungry? Anyone enjoyable to be around? No, no, I'm not. Here's an example. This past Friday night, um, this past Friday night, Julie and I, we were going out, we were gonna get some pizza at All Who Wander. It's like one of those seat yourself situations, okay? So we're like, you know, like table hawking, like looking for a table. A table comes open, so like before it even comes clear, we like sit right down, right? I am starving. I am so hungry, okay? And we sit down, and there are two slices of uneaten pizza on the table from the last group. And I look at Julie. And I say, is it weird if I eat this pizza right now? And she said, yes, it is. I didn't want that answer, okay? So I was, but then the waitress is coming over and she's gonna take the food away. I'm like, can I please have this? She's like, no, that's gross. And I was like, and then the waitress took it away. And now I'm mad, right? Why, why? Because when we're hungry, we turn into like little goblins, like we're the worst. Now, Now, where where does does Jesus find himself in this story? The answer is in the perfect place to be tempted, right? And by perfect, I actually mean the worst, why? Because he was tired, alone, and hungry. If you are on a date with someone who you are romantically involved with, and you are any of those three, go home. If you are all of those three, if you are all of those three, you're in trouble and you're gonna get out of the situation, okay? That's just free. Now, why is this the worst? Because we are most vulnerable when we are tired, hungry, and alone. And emotional too, right? This is why the devil isn't tempting Jesus at his baptism or like in the temple, but in the wilderness. He wanted to try and get Jesus to sin when he was at his most vulnerable, and he's going to try and do the same thing to you too, But remember, it is not a sin to be tempted by sin. It is a sin to act on it. Jesus was tempted personally by the master of temptation and he would not give in. This is so important in demonstrating that Jesus was truly sinless because unless he was given every opportunity to sin, he could not have claimed such a position of being sinless. And oftentimes when temptations seem especially strong, we begin to rationalize giving in. And it's because the enemy is trying to block God's purposes, his good, perfect and beautiful purposes for your life. So don't let him. Jesus doesn't, and so how do we not let him? Right. So, so in this story, Satan—he's praying on three of Jesus's vulnerabilities in this extremely uncomfortable moment. Right. His physical needs and desires possession and power and pride, right? So so he goes after his physical needs. He's like, hey, look, man, you and I both know you can turn that rock into a piece of bread right now, right? Like, I mean, he, Jesus and Satan, they knew each other from heaven. They go way back, right? And he's like, listen, I know like now you're human, so you're all hungry, right? But you and I both know that you can take care of your physical needs. So go ahead, eat, drink, and be merry. Don't try and please and be obedient to daddy up in heaven. Go ahead and do whatever you want. And what is what does is, what is Jesus say? Well actually, he doesn't say anything other than the fact that he's quoting scripture, specifically Deuteronomy 8:3. And Jesus answered, "It is written." Everybody say it is written. It is. it is written, "Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God." It is written. Where is it written? It is written in the scriptures. Why is it written? Because when it was written, it was true. When Jesus quoted it, it was true and it is still true today. There is a longevity that is ascribed to truth when that truth is in fact scribed. Jesus wasn't like pulling out some new power, some new trick, some new like Satan slaying weapon, right? Instead he pulled out a different sword. He pulled out the word of God to defend against the t- the attack of the devil But then the devil, I don't know, he like transports them to to the top of the temple. It was like very Ghost of Christmas Past-like, right? And then all of a sudden they're at the top of the temple and he tells Jesus, he's like, go ahead, throw yourself off. Let's make a big show of this. We'll see all the angels come down from heaven and they won't even let you get hurt because I know you still got other stuff you're trying to do. And what's interesting about this is that Satan is actually quoting Psalm 91 back to Jesus, but he's not doing it in an appropriate way, right? He's taking scripture and he's twisting it and he's misapplying it and he's trying to get Jesus to do something that he knows is not correct because what would have happened there at the temple everyone in the city would have been able to see Jesus's awesome power that he could do whatever he wanted and had whatever he wanted but it wasn't Jesus's time yet and Jesus knew it and so Jesus answered him it is also written do not put the Lord your God to the test in other words Don't make a show of God's power for your own personal promotion, and don't expect him to show up for you when you're trying to make it all about you. So then finally, the devil pulls out like his his last trick, his final temptation, like the greatest one of all, and he transports him to the top of this mountain, right? And they're looking out, and they can see all the cities and all of the kingdoms, and the devil has authority on this earth, and he told Jesus, hey man, I'll give you authority. I'll make you the king of this entire realm if you will just bow down and worship me. And you'd say, Cooper, it's Jesus. He's the son of God. That's not a hard decision. Oh, no. No, Jesus came to this earth for you he came here to be in a relationship with you he came here to be your king and the devil had just given him away to be your king without having to suffer without having to die without having to be obedient and to follow the plans of his father in heaven all he had to do was bow down and worship satan what was he doing he was appealing to jesus's pride The same thing that caused Satan to fall from heaven. The same thing that the devil used on Adam and Eve to get them to say, hey, we'll just call our own shots here. We don't need to listen to God and neither do you, Jesus. Let's just do our own thing. And what does Jesus do? Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him. So, I wanna make three points about this passage, okay? The first one is this. We win with the word. Everybody say we win with the word. That's right. Listen, people, let's be real. The devil, Satan, the enemy of God and your enemy is so good at doing what he does. He is so good at getting you to do, to think, and to believe things that are not true. He is very good at it, okay? I'll never tell you the devil isn't good at what he does, but Jesus is better, Jesus is stronger, Jesus is more powerful, and even in a human body, weak, vulnerable, and all alone, Jesus was able to defeat the devil on his own playing field. Jesus beat Saiyan, he won, and the same weapon that he won using is not a secret weapon. It is the word of God appropriately applied. Jesus knew the word. Jesus understood the word and Jesus used the word to win. And he defeated the temptation to sin, to be disobedient, to miss out on God's beautiful purpose for his life by relying on the word of God. And this is why, personally, I will never apologize for believing that the truth that is in this book appropriately applied to your life and understood in its true context will allow you to live your best life. I've tried it myself, I've lived it, I've fallen deeper in love with it daily, and it allows me to fall deeper in love with God at just the same rate. And it will do the same for you. The devil will try and trick confuse and stop you from loving the Bible and God's word. But we win at life with the word. It's what Jesus used to fight face-to-face with evil. And it's what we will use too, because we are tempted to sin all day long. Like 6,000 times a day, the devil is trying to lead you into sin and he is tempting you. And if we have the word as our weapon, we will win those battles. And now here's the thing, right? Some of you, you're not super comfortable with everything in Scripture, okay? But don't throw it all out, okay? Because that leads me to my next point. Getting better requires getting uncomfortable. How many people want to get better in life? How many people think there are some things they could get better? Yeah, all of us could, right? Like, we're all in the same boat there. Jesus found himself, in a very uncomfortable situation, and he had done everything right, right? He's baptized, he's starting his public ministry, he's following the spirit, and he even chooses to fast for the first 40 days of his ministry as a way of saying, God, here it is, man, I'll give you my best and I'll give you my first. Right, There were plenty of people who need the gospel, who needed healing, who needed teaching, but Jesus spent the first 40 days praying and fasting to God. And after doing all of those things, Jesus found himself in a very uncomfortable situation. He was weak, tired, alone, vulnerable, and uncomfortable, standing face to face with Satan, who was giving him his best, like only the best temptations for the Son of God. And Jesus fought back with the same thing that we have as an app on our phone. The words of God, only for Jesus, he had the word written on his heart. And Jesus had to get uncomfortable. He had to. As uncomfortable as any person ever has or will to prove that he was the Messiah, that he was sinless, that he was worthy of being the Lamb of God who would come to take away the sins of the world. When you work out, right? If you're you're uncomfortable, if you're not uncomfortable, you're not getting any stronger or better. But being uncomfortable doesn't mean that you're doing it wrong. A lot of times it means you're getting better because Jesus got uncomfortable both in the face of the devil and eventually on the cross for you and for me so that we could all have better. See, a lot of times we don't wanna serve God. Okay, a lot of times we don't want to tell others about our faith or trust God with our finances or be in a vulnerable, caring community with others or just live differently than other people in the rest of the world. Why? Because it makes us uncomfortable. We don't actually want to follow the way of Jesus because a lot of times it means doing things I don't want to do and I'm not comfortable doing them. So I'd rather not do it. And some of you need to start getting uncomfortable in following the Spirit by stepping out of your comfort zone and stepping into all that God has for your life. I'm telling you, heaven was a lot more comfortable than coming down into this broken and messed up world. But Jesus came down here to get nailed to a cross And only when that happened did Jesus become fully perfect because he was obedient to the point of death. Getting better requires getting uncomfortable. And I hope we're all trying to get better because better looks a lot like Jesus. Third point is this, you'll never miss what you give. And the third point, it's actually an uncomfortable one, right? But listen to this, Jesus gave up his time, okay? 40 days in the wilderness, his energy. He was fasting. He gave up his home in heaven, and when he was here, he was homeless. He gave up his food, maybe even his water. He gave up his comfort being in this broken world, and he gave up all of the opportunities the devil gave him to get nourishment, power, and pride, and he didn't miss any of it. Was it easy? No. Did it get harder? It actually did, Because he went on and he gave up his dignity when he was stripped. He gave up his body when he was beaten. And eventually he gave up his life when he died on the cross. Jesus gave it all. The father gave up his one and only son. God gave up his first and his best. This is why we give of ourselves. It's not because we have to. It's not. It's because we get to. If you repent and you place your faith in Jesus, you'll go to heaven, okay? That will happen. You don't have to do anything, but you will miss out on all that God has for you here on the earth. You will miss out on the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control that all promote the fullness of life here on earth. And listen, Truthfully, I can say this, I love you, right? I care about you. I want you to enjoy these things because I've already tested all of these things for myself. And I am a satisfied follower of Jesus. I can't explain my life other than God is real. Jesus died for my sins. The Bible is true. And if you follow him, you will experience the fullness of life. But that entails giving. Now, when I say that, everyone's minds, it immediately goes to money, right? That's a thing, right? And that is a thing because that's a big one and that's a hard one for a lot of people. But it's not just the thing, it's everything, right? It's also, it's also serving, serving your God, following Jesus' example by serving your brothers and sisters in Christ and others too, right? It's also getting into a life group with others who are not always easy to love, but that still love you and that you still love them and you grow together in Christ, But in everything in your life, you give your first and you give your best to God because that's what he did for you. That's what Jesus modeled. And right now, in your heart, in your body, you're probably a little uncomfortable. You got thoughts in your head. I don't know what I'm talking about, right? He's just trying to work some angle, right? There's no way that I could ever that in this moment you are being tempted. The enemy is taking past bad experiences in your life and he is trying to use them to lie to you. Are you gonna believe them or are you going to win with the word? Are you going to get better by getting uncomfortable? Because I'll tell you this, you'll never miss what you give. When you give to God, you can't outgive God. He knows your needs. He doesn't want your things. He wants your heart. He just wants to be the most important thing in your life. And the way that you demonstrate that is by giving your first and your best of your time daily, weekly, annually, your talents, that he has gifted you spiritually and in your job with unique gifts to build up your church and your treasure your resources, right, to give back to him, demonstrating that you trust him and that he is your sole source of provision. Because it wasn't until after Jesus had given his best to God, gotten uncomfortable in obedience to his Father, and won with the word in the face of temptation that he went on to preach. And from that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's what we talked about last week. Jesus is preaching the same thing. And all we've talked about today, these are all the ways in which we show that we have truly turned our lives back to Jesus. And he keeps going on. Matthew says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Listen, I don't know what you believe about Jesus, okay? I don't know what you believe about the Bible. I don't even like, know what you think about me, real time, right? I don't know but I'm not asking you to trust me. I will attest to these things all day long, up and down. But the only reason that I'm here today doing what I'm doing is because I've done these things already before I worked at a church and it works. And I just want everyone else to experience what I've experienced. So I'm not asking you to trust me. I'm asking you to trust God. And to take another step in following after the example that Jesus has set for us. I know for me, I want to be known as someone who follows Jesus. And right now, Jesus is telling you to come and follow him. And you get to decide how you respond. The devil does not want you to follow him. Okay? He is trying to convince you right now to stop. Right? To rationalize everything away he's putting little lies and little things in your mind, right? So what did Jesus do? He fought back with the word. So here are three pieces of scripture. Super quick, right? Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. These are the words of Jesus, and he is speaking to you through his word. Will you be like the disciples and follow him, or just be like someone in the crowd who comes and listens and just goes away and then comes back and we just do it all again, right? Here's my encouragement to you. Don't be a part of the crowd. Become a part of the body, And this is the last thing to close. Okay, here we go. To close today. And I think this is going to be a day that you're going to look back on. It's going to be a day when you said yes to God, and you chose to follow Him, and you were so glad you did. But what is the why? What is the why? Are why here at Crossroads? It's to to be a place where we bring Christ's compassion to people at the crossroads of life, right? Where we're trying to love God and we're trying to love others as Jesus has loved us. That we are a family on this mission together. And today, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for you to say yes in this church, right? And in a moment, you'll see them on the screen. But here's what I know. Here's what I know, okay? Some of you are really struggling, You're struggling to find purpose in your life. You wonder if you have purpose in this life. And I will speak directly to you, but this is for everyone. If you have breath in your lungs, God is not done with you. He still wants to use you. You're still part of his mission, and he still can use use you. He will use your story. He will use your gifts. But at some point, you have to decide to follow him. And here, we're really trying to do our best to impact lives, right? To see them transformed by Jesus. We're trying. We're not perfect. But I know one thing. We are better together. And I'm gonna encourage you today, to start serving in some monthly capacity because I believe it is just as valuable to your life as coming to churches every week, as getting in a group, as giving is. It's not one of those things, it's all of them. And you say, Cooper, I'm just not comfortable serving on the tech team or holding doors or, or working in the kids area. To that I would say, that may be true, but I know that you are good at something and it may require you following God into an uncomfortable situation, But it also requires you not letting the enemy talk you out of it so that you don't miss the purpose that God has for your life. And you even say, but Cooper, do all these positions even matter? And the answer is yes. Every position matters, right? Like you see all the things going on. And so for example, this year, this year we started hosting Mops at the church again, okay? It's on Sunday nights every other week, right? Now I actually, Mops, Mothers of Preschoolers, we got that? Mothers of Preschoolers, okay. So I actually first met my wife when I was a three-year-old in Mops, so I'm a big fan. Now, Monday... Monday morning, Monday morning, my mom sent me this picture, okay? She sent me these pictures. And you say, oh, uh, yeah, you say, oh, uh, okay, yeah. And I get it, he's my brother, okay? But... But he's also, he's also a 19-year-old college kid, right, who's home on break. And it's a Sunday night. He could be out doing anything he wanted, but what did he do? He decided to follow Jesus to make it so that other moms would be able to have a break and be filled up and cared for themselves. And what you also don't know is that when we first brought moms back, there was no child care, okay? It was just kind of like either figure something out on your own or like have your kid with you. And then my mom heard that. And she said, no, I'm gonna say yes by giving up every other Sunday night to hold babies to watch preschoolers. And I asked her why. And she said, when I was a part of it, they did it for me. And so she saw a need and she met it, right? That might be the case for you. There might be a position that we don't even have here yet that you feel called to start, let's do it. You know what I mean? Every aspect of fear happens throughout the weekend on Sunday matters, most done. You may never think about the people who are up in that corner room running the stream, okay? But they're here every week, okay? And you never see them. You don't even know that they're there. But they make it possible for people to be impacted by what God is doing here at Crossroads, wherever and whenever. And just this week, we as a team, as a body, as a church, we got a letter from someone and I want to read it to you because I want you to know that we never know and we may never see how God is using us we might not even know the impact we're having, but we don't have to know. We're just supposed to be obedient to God and to let him handle the rest. But this was one of those times when, when God gives us a little sneak peek in, into, into a way in which he's using the church. So I'll read to you super quick, okay? Here's what it says. It says, I feel, very strong, I feel a very strong need to write and to tell you that God used you this past hour to speak to me. Thank you. This is to all of us as a church, okay? Thank you that at 2 a.m. during a very trying night, you got through to me who God says I am for reminding me that God loves me. He loves my children, grandchildren, even more than I do. I pray that you will continue to fight back with the truth of God's word. My battle has been long and hard, but I can tell you that God has been faithful and kept me in his care when I couldn't see him, feel him, or sense him. He's so faithful thank you again. The answer to where are you? For me, 2.35 a.m., I'm going to lie down in the boat during the storm and sleep. If Jesus speaks, the storm will cease. If Jesus remains silent, the storm still knows he's in charge. Either way, Jesus is faithful. Good night. So like that's the kind of thing where you just, you never know, right? We don't, I mean, we put the streams up on YouTube and it's like, great, right? And then someone finds it just in the middle of the night when who knows, she's going through whatever she's going through and God uses you as a church, right? And it's just an awesome thing. Now, here's what you might not think about. Just as amazing as the folks running the stream, uh, Uh, If it wasn't for our next-gen ministries, right, those stream volunteers, they wouldn't have someone to watch their kids. And you start to see that we're actually, we're all serving each other, right, but we're all serving God, and God is using us as a church to make an impact with people we've never even met before. And so this is absolutely the last thing. Last slide. I loved what this nursery uh, volunteer said about volunteering in the nursery, because to me, this is like, this is what, what remembering the why looks like, right? And so she said, I want each child that comes into the nursery to begin to learn that church is a safe and loving place that allows them to grow in their faith. Each time I serve, I can allow other parents to have a sense of peace while they have time to learn about God. They can focus on worship. It took me a while to realize that while I was volunteering, I wasn't missing out on service. I was part of the service. Service is part of worship. Nothing compares to seeing the children grow, move up to other rooms of the church, and watch them become amazing adolescents that continue the path that God has for them. It all starts in the nursery. This is what we all want. We all want this for the church, right? And there are so many amazing stories of all of the volunteers who we have here who give themselves all the time. But if you're not a part of it, I want you to be a part of it because Jesus is speaking to your heart right now. And he's saying, don't let the devil win. Don't be tempted away from being obedient. Follow me. Follow my example. Let's get better by getting uncomfortable. Let's give of ourselves and let's do it together. Whoever wants to be my disciple must take up their cross and follow me. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it is a sword that helps us battle off the temptations that the enemy constantly uh, brings into our lives. God, to try and lead us away from your good purposes for our lives. Lord, I pray for everyone right now. God, I pray that you would just speak to people's hearts. Lord, that every single person in this room would want to take a next step, would be motivated to take a next step. God, that when they, when they walk down the tunnel of, of, to the lobby, God, that they wouldn't turn right and walk out the door, but God, that they would turn left and that they would just allow you to lead them into wherever you would have them serve or just get deeper involved. Whether it's getting baptized, going to welcome home, serving on a team here, getting in a small group. God, let us as a church be committed to growing closer to you together through giving of ourselves, God. Because we know that Jesus gave it all. And he died for us, Lord. And I pray that if someone is, wants to follow you today by taking their next step and following you by placing their faith in you, God, I pray that throughout the song, you would just speak to the heart and that you would move them to doing that. But God, we thank you that you're good. We thank you that you do use this us as a church, God. And we thank you for the little encouragement, God, the little stories to remind us, God, that what we do here has eternal impact, not just day to day, but that people's lives are being changed for eternity. So God, I pray that you would use Crossroads. God, I pray that you would send us every week out into the dark world to be lights, to be lights for your kingdom, God, to be lights for you. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen.